0: It's Season 9, and we're feeling fine because it is the holiday time! Welcome to the Silver Bells season. In this season, we will be exploring not only interviews with the past Silver Bells, but also talking about movies, about Christmas, and we will also be documenting our trip to Richmond to see the Silver Bells. So stick with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be... Right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Oh, yeah. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Yeah. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. <laughs> Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Stephen. Today we're talking about 1983's A Christmas Story.
1: A Christmas Story. Not to be confused with A Christmas Story Christmas or A Christmas Story 2. Or My
0: Summer Story. (laughs) All Gene uh, Shepard-based vehicles... So, Gene Shepard, who wrote the novel, or I don't know if it's the novel, it's the book. Uh, well, it, w- it was originally um, articles in Playboy in the 60s. So, it's called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Um, this movie was one of my father's favorite movies. My dad wasn't a big reader. When I bought him this book, he read the book. I think he read it several times. Um my mother hates this movie probably because dad liked it and always wanted to put the 24 hours of Christmas story had to be on and he would always say, put it on, put it on. And he'd make me put the TBS on whatever station it was on at the time. Well, um, that would have been the time when they were showing it periodically, not 24 hours. Right. In high school. So go through the, break down the history of that. Yeah, because so... I, I was saying to Ryan Name another movie that is played twenty four hours at any time in the year. It's it's its own thing. That's very unique and weird. And so break that down for us. Yeah. So basically, uh, it it was a it was a not a smash
1: hit, but it was a uh, a sleeper hit, if you will. It made money. Um, people were pissed off because it had, it came out like around Thanksgiving, and they they take it out of the theaters prior to Christmas time, and people complained, and they got back put back in through '84. Um, But then it just kind of fell off the radar for about you know seven years until the early '90s, and it became a cult hit. And time, uh, not time, uh, Ted Turner still owned the uh, the broadcasting rights, so he started playing it on all of his uh, his uh, channels. Um, and as he started, the '90s started to become more and more noticing that people were watching it because it had this cult following. In '94, he played it on like six times uh over i mean i'm sorry over six channels he played he played it and then the next year it was a little bit more and then 97 started the 24 hour thing
0: um funny thing for me i didn't see this until 1998. that's so wild that's like you, you've you heard of playing whamageddon right no so the whole rule of whamageddon for the holiday period is you have to listen to the radio or do whatever as you normally would, but the day that you hear "Last Christmas," you're out of the game, and it's almost impossible to make it through the Christmas season without hearing "Last Christmas." So you played Whamageddon with a Christmas story <laughs> until 1998. Until 1998, even though it's it a it sad was
1: story, playing all over It's a sad us. story. Why? For me, um, I was living in L.A. at the time. Um, and this was going to be like one of the, uh, I think this was the first Christmas where I I wasn't going to be with my family. Um, I was living on a boat and all I had was a DVD player and a
0: VCR. Mm -hmm. So I went to Blockbuster. Those are things that had tapes in them, young (laughs) listeners.
1: And I, uh, and I rented a Christmas story and watched it by myself. Were you kind of
0: finally like okay we'll see what this is all about i
1: just, it just was not on my radar i think maybe at one point it had been on television um when i was in high school but I, you know i didn't watch a lot of television in high school and people talked about it during college uh-huh. um they didn't start doing the 24 hour thing until i was in college uh-huh. um and i didn't i just had regular you know banana uh, banana ears uh, <laughs> rabbit ears banana ears i don't know <laughs> rabbit ears yeah. see
0: but I would have gone home for Christmas in college, and that's when it was 24 hours. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. totally. Um, so I watched it, and I remember just bawling.
1: Because mm. it's, not, it's not a sad movie by any means, uh, but it's huh. a very nostalgic film that I find fascinating, because I didn't grow up in the 30s and the 40s. Right, but yet it seems so familiar. It seems so familiar, because there's so many... Uh, human things that happen it's so honest and in, in the portrayal of of w- what you do as a kid it's good for adults as well like i see my dad in darren mcgavin and the old man does. i see my mom in uh melinda Dillon. Uh-huh. um and it's i see so... myself and i think it's a very american thing though i, I don't think it's like you know necessarily somebody in germany is going to watch this and be like this is the greatest movie ever because there's not that connection to this i hate to say it but this national kind of feeling
0: um that the the movie portrays so very well i lost my father in 2019 and because this was one of his favorite movies and because everything about fathers after 2019 has become about my father when I watch it of course as anyone who loses a parent you know goes through that um i cannot not cry when i watch this movie now when they start to play the i'm going to cry talking about it when they start to play the like soft sentimental music when the father says i think there's something back there behind that desk and matt i'm sitting here when we were watching it Matt's like, why are they playing this sappy music? And I was like, I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> He's like, What do you mean? I said, It's because this is all about him and his dad and the relation, their relationship, and this is his dad getting him the best Christmas gift he would ever receive. And and what's what makes it even more of a
1: of a heart thing for me is that he he is the only person that Ralphie does not ask for the BB gun, and need. he knows well. I noticed this time, he puts the ad in his mom's magazine, but mm-hmm. puts it in his dad's bed. Mm. So his dad probably found that and saw that
0: and knew that he wanted it. It's just... But here's the dark side of it. Of course, it's about a gun. Welcome to America. Exactly. Merry Christmas. Yeah, And that was a thing with BB
1: guns about uh, shooting your eye out, because... Mm. Uh, the round balls would be more likely to bounce off, and kids would stand closer to what they were shooting, so they'd get their eye
0: uh, out. That's really dark. Um, I I can't believe I, I cry at this, but it's just that father son connection thing, and the, the I don't know. There's something about it that that makes me weepy. I think everyone sees their father in the old man. I think everyone sees their mother in you know, his mom. Yeah, and if Jack Nicholson, who was uh, so reportedly supposed to
1: be doing this role of the old man, I don't think it would have been the same movie. No. Darren McGavin is perfect. He is absolutely and pitch perfect. And Melinda Dillon is. is She does so many things as a mom when she's playing with uh, the kid brother. Ralphie? No, no get, sorry, sorry. Ralphie's yeah, the yeah. main guy. Uh, I can't think of his name, but. Randy. Randy. Getting him to eat. And she was just fully. Laughing fully at at this whole situation and getting him to eat and she just loves him so much mm-hmm. all the things she did that my mother I know did behind the scenes or you know, I think I told a story once of um uh, i I don't know probably not on a podcast, but uh when we were at a camp like a a family camp it was a church camp uh and I really wanted a nestle crunch and a uh orange crush wow um and I'd had them over and over again. So I went and asked my dad and my dad said no. And my mom was feeling sick. And so she was down in the dorm. So I went down there and knocked on the door. And uh, I said, mom, can I have a Nasty Crunch and Orange Crush? And she said, sure, honey, of course you can. And then I got caught by my dad behind a tree eating the Nasty Crunch and the Orange Crush. It's just like things like that. You know what I mean? Um, me doing things and then lying about them to my parents because
0: I knew I'd get in trouble for it. Yeah. The um, when he says my mother had not had a warm meal of her own, <laughs> I remember my Perfection. mother. My mother always like the second she would sit down. Oh, someone needs something. I have to get up to the kitchen, and there's something so that captures it's honest. The essence of 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 a family dynamic, uh, perfectly. I used to hang out under the sink as well. That was a, a cool place to go because it was like your own little... A small place. Yeah, and there was probably lots of chemicals I probably shouldn't have been breathing in, <laughs> but
1: I turned out fine. <laughs> um, well, another thing about this film that I, you know, kind of love is that it never really tells you the year. So there's all these people saying, it's this time, it's this Wizard time. Wizard of Oz just came out. Well, yes, but there's like things from 41 and 43, like there's a song that's not out until 43, but Bob Clark and Gene Shepard did that on purpose. They made all of these things that were part... I don't know, I don't want to say their childhood, but at least Gene Shepard's childhood, where that all runs together in your memory as a, a kid. A general nostalgia. A general, gosh. exactly. And so, like, it captures that whole time period, especially in a time that was really changing for uh, American citizens, you know, the war and, and all of that not quite happening or, or just happening, depending on when it
0: actually was taking place. It could be anywhere from 39 to like 45. Because here's the other thing. Especially in more economically depressed areas, the vehicles, the fashion, are of a decade ago. I mean, the 80s still kind of looked like the 70s in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Well, sure. the 90s looked like the 80s. Yeah, and there were still things that were on television from the 70s
1: in the 80s, -hmm. like in the early 80s. And then they would start playing those on reruns. And then reruns from the 60s and 50s you would be seeing on the local stations. So Mm -hmm. there was still this... At least when I was a kid, there was still this uh, uh, culture uh, being passed on through entertainment.
0: But don't you think the cyclical nature of... We see it happening with our generation right now. What's the biggest thing? 80s stuff. It's getting into 90s because we're moving out of that. Because parents want to share with their children... Absolutely. what What life was like for them when they were their age. Completely. So, I mean... Think about the eighties. The eighties were obsessed with the fifties. Yep. The nineties. The nineties were obsessed with the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And it, it's now we're into this eighties, nineties, uh, nostalgia period. And I think that's just the cyclical nature of trying to um, show your kids what it was like when you were a kid. Yeah. You know. And for me, like you know, because of the time period that I did
1: grow up and being interested in the things from the 50s and the 40s and the Mm -hmm. 60s you know what I mean like made me want to seek other things out of that ilk Mm -hmm. whereas I feel like now nobody's going past a certain point and I'm this is just I I don't know this for a fact they're going from uh, to the 80s Uh, the 70s aren't really even being uh, you know talked about all that much Uh, as as far as uh, film art goes I, I should say I, I feel like there's a lot of younger kids who aren't uh maybe looking into those things. Black and white films, even for people in our generation. Pe- uh, there are people that we know that will not watch a black and white film. <laughs> <laughs> um and people who won't watch things that have subtitles or or you know, things like that. There's there's an openness that I feel that I have because of all of the things that I got to, you know, see as
0: a kid. Um there's some beautiful visuals in this film that are so striking when you see them and the first shot i think of one of my favorites was the what the one of the very last shots which is the father sitting in the armchair looking at the christmas tree in the dark and the snow falling outside and the mother comes and sits next to him they both have little glasses of champagne or wine or something and it's a small touch but he puts his arm around her and it's like the one time you see them really be a couple when all the kids are in bed sure. and Christmas is over, they've done their job as parents, they've done it well, they've saved Christmas dinner from the bumpus hounds, you know. Yeah. It, it's such a beautiful moment. The shot is gorgeous and it says everything you need to know about their relationship in that one gesture. And and even if, if, even if I don't believe that they really have that
1: great of a relationship, uh-huh. you know what I mean? But only because of how I grew up and with my family situation, there were those little bitty bits of after a, a holiday or something where you'd see that connection, that that intimacy that was not always
0: blatant throughout the year. The other thing I've noticed on this rewatch is watching Melinda Dillon deal with her husband in different ways. Absolutely, Whether it's throwing him off of the fight you know by bringing up a sports game and knowing that'll work or just the way she kind of humor humors him laughs at a joke that she probably doesn't think is funny but does it because she loves him when he's cussing at the furnace in the basement the way she's like knows it's horrible but it's just you know fiddling with the damper her immediate response when
1: he was downstairs and she goes in to break the yeah. That lamp like mm-hmm. you're like oh yeah she's she she totally was planning on doing that at some point this is the perfect time you
0: used up all the glue <laughs> on purpose <laughs> <laughs> um i i love even the way that when he puts it in the window and is out on the street and a crowd starts drawing how she pulls her hair over her face yeah it's uh, so great the guy that comes up to him the first guy is bob S- Clark, Smeed, swede swede yeah.
1: yeah is Bob. don't bother bob. me swede yeah. and the uh the guy in the in the line of the Santa Claus... The line's... Uh, this is the end of the line. That's the beginning of the line, but that's uh, Gene
0: Shepard. And oh, his wife is with him. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, what else can be said that hasn't been, been said well, okay, about Okay, so movie? I saw this in I,
1: 98. Yeah. And because of that, I sought out the other things. And that's when I remember that I'd seen my summer story, but that's what it's now. But it was released at the theater called It Runs in the Family. Mm. Um, and that had Karen Culkin... As Ralphie. It had uh, uh, Charles Grodin mm-hmm. as the old man and Mary Steenburgen as the mother. Who looks exactly the same today. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and it's not that good, but it,
0: Bob Clark came back to direct it. Gene Shepard's it's a part of terrible. it. It's terrible. No. It's just not what you want it to be, but it, it never can be. The, the, the magic in a bottle that they captured with that film. Now, I will say A Christmas Story Christmas does a really good job in threading the needle to a grown-up Ralphie and the, the old man has just passed and he and his wife and kids are going to their his childhood home to get mom through Christmas basically make Christmas happen and it's set in the 70s um could be late 60s it looks like 70s to me I don't know it could, you're right it Again, Again, the, the blur. Especially. And I think that's because Peter Billingsley uh, helped write it,
1: uh, produced it, um, and I think really came from it uh, uh, in the right way. Whereas Gene Shepard, when he did My Summer Story, because he was making so much money off residuals from A Christmas Story, he did it really for the money. Um, and then A Christmas Story 2, which was a direct video was 2012, I think. I have not seen that. I have to see that this yeah, year. It's probably um, bad. And then uh, there were other of his works that PBS co-produced, a series of TV movies based on the Parker family uh, for American Playhouse, which included, you mentioned, Ollie Hop Noodles' Haven of Bliss.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There was The Great American Fourth of July and other disasters, which Matt Dillon played a teenage Ralphie. Um, I've got to watch all of these now. The Starcross Romance of Josephine Kosnowski and The Phantom of the Open Hearth. So I would like to seek those out as well. Now, none of them are going to capture the feeling that this original has. Even A Christmas Story Christmas gets there, but doesn't quite go over, and this is why. Only at the end, I no, think. No, I don't think it has to do with the I think it has to do with the way that it's filmed. When you watch A Christmas Story, the original, there is a grainy quality to it. Mm-hmm. It feels lived in. The Christmas Story Christmas, because it had a much lower budget, and it's done for television, you can tell. And that's my only complaint,
0: is that it does not have the same uh, conceptual look. Well, the graininess almost makes it even more perfect, because it feels like a lived-in movie. You're watching a movie made in 83, but it feels like it was made decades ago. And that's why I
1: love movies, and watching it this time... I was like, I I love film. Can could I say some things that were negative about this? Absolutely, you can't about everything. But the emotion that this movie gives me, the way that it's done, the narration—even though some people find it grating—all um, of it works for me. And it and it's only because of my uh, personal you know look into my own life that it affects me in that way. And the nostalgia that I have for that time period that I never went through. And Mm -hmm. it really does that well. And that's why I love film because it really can't have you, you know, feel things that you're like, why am I feeling like this? You know what I mean? Even if you can't put a a, a word to it, it's, it's, it's a read. There's a reason for the film art that's happening and there's a love behind it. I will
0: say about a Christmas story, Christmas, the two, late denouements of the film that really destroy me in the wonderful most wonderful of ways are that after their Christmas presents are stolen and they've got just like a bunch of junk but nothing really big that the old man had already bought all the Christmas presents and it it just gets yeah, well and it harkens back to the BB gun. It does and then the the last part of the story that the wife sent to the paper and then it's picked up everywhere and then he sits in the old man's chair. Ugh oh, Which is such a thing. Such a thing. Looking at Dad's chair after he passed was yeah. like painful. But he sits there and starts to read the narration of the beginning of a Christmas story and I weep because it's to me that's perfect. It's a perfect summation of even uh Peter Billingsley's journey with this story, this character. Um and just it gives you the perfect like throwback into watch the original one again and and to know that this was the greatest Christmas this kid ever experienced. And I have that myself. Uh, I remember yeah, sure. a certain gift or a certain perfect holiday that we always aspire to, we'll never live up to again in thanksgiving terms we call it the carolyn cole thanksgiving which is an inside joke in our little circle of family friends but everyone has that story of do you remember the one christmas and i think this just so perfectly and unpretentiously presents that and there's nothing high art about this film it's just a wonderful piece of nostalgic holiday, Americana. I think there is high
1: art to it to a certain degree. I think Bob Clark is a, was a great director. I mean, for him to have two movies- Porky's, two div- right? Pork, yes, Porky's, but that <laughs> allowed him to make this. Because yeah. Yeah. he had been working on it for 10 years with Gene Shepard, and Porky's, because it was huge, it, for a small period of time, it was the highest grossing comedy ever, R-rated comedy at that. Um and it gave him the sh- not the shutsbud but you know it gave him the 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 gas to be able to go on and make a christmas story but he has black christmas yeah. as well
0: that people watch during christmas time and there's a zombie film too um, death something no 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 it's like uh, it's a long title and it's like a bunch of theater artists uh is it about the child a child something about a child no it's a horror film with a zombie um it's deranged, it's, no, death no.
1: dream, children shouldn't play, play with, with dead things. Yes, it is. The children shouldn't play with dead yes, things. Yes, yes you're okay. Right. So it's weird. He's an American filmmaker, but he moved to Canada because of the tax breaks. And so he, all of these films were filmed in Canada. So, like, even A Christmas Story, part of it was filmed in Toronto. They did mm-hmm. film part of it in Cleveland, yeah. but none of it in Indiana, which is where it was supposed to be taking place. Uh, Melinda Dillon, uh, the mother, also played another mother where a father gave their son a BB gun in Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, wow. Um, And I remember her from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Of course. She's so good in that, too. What a wonderful actress. She just takes my heart every time I watch this movie. The Christmas Story House
0: is still a thing you can go see in Ohio. Yeah, somebody bought it. Uh, He also did Rhinestone. now, I think. Yeah. I think you can stay at it. He directed Rhinestone. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) With a Dolly Parton and, and Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. Um, and then years later he had another hit with Baby Geniuses. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, horrible thing though. He died with his son in a. Uh, uh, he was. They were killed by a drunk driver in two thousand and seven.
0: Oh, that's awful. Yeah, he was in the sixties. Yeah, really sad. Wow. Um. I I. I mean there's no one who hasn't seen this film. I uh, there's no more there. It's possible.
1: Out there. No I... there. I mean I was I'm on Letterboxd and I'm I'm looking at all these people and they're like literally, you know, last year was the first time they'd seen it. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you gotta think there's a lot of, of younger people that not, don't necessarily have cable or ever even grew up with cable. Of so course. they don't have T V S or TNT, you know what I mean? So you don't have that. I you know, years later, you know, in other places that I lived after LA you know, when, when I did have cable and TBS and TNT were on, it was kind of nice to have it on for those 24 hours because you could check in and see which storyline they were you yeah. know, talking about. I uh, found out an interesting thing. Do you know how they filmed the tongue on the pole? Yes, it was a vacuum. It was a suction, mm-hmm. yeah, that they had put in there, which is so funny to think about. But They all it tried looks, it out.
0: Oh, really? All the kids it tried it out. and so real. That's gross. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, those kids were staying at a hotel... And got into quite a lot of trouble staying at the hotel. The the actor who played Scott Fargus and all of those little kids, They Scott was the oldest and was kind of the leader of the pack. And they would throw water balloons outside their hotel. Fargus is the,
1: the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. He sued them for uh, something. Oh, uh, Warner Brothers or whoever owned the rights for the his likeness in like a of a, 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 not an action figure but a figurine and like there was a game or something. He probably didn't get any money from it. I think he did.
0: No I mean that's probably
1: why he sued. That's why he sued yeah. yeah. The first thing I don't think he did but then the
0: second thing I think that it was closed fairly quickly and they gave him. There was some... a Christmas story board game in the late that 90s. That was the one yeah. Let me tell you it sucked <sighs> because I bought it for my dad and we sat down and we couldn't figure out how to play it. There was no clear instructions. Every, it was awful. So good on you that you got your money. Yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: wanted a BB gun as a kid.
0: I have a leg lamp on the table. I, I am wearing a shirt that oh, says, fudge. oh, fudge. And oh, God, when she takes the
1: soap after
0: he has and done it, it and tries
1: it herself, I was like, oh, that is so True. A mother would do that just to see. Out of they, curiosity, <laughs> yeah.
0: What am I making my child do? Yeah,
1: and uh, I was reading Roger Ebert's review, and he had mentioned the actual brand of that soap, which I guess was a. Life it Boy. can't be this. It can't be that. It's got to, this is, Life and he Boy. it really stuck with him. It was Life Boy for himself as well, growing up. Yeah. So all of those things for that generation, um, really ring true. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know those things, but at the same time. There was something alike in my growing up you know what i mean um there wasn't any specific soap just when i got my mouth washed out with soap it was disgusting Mm. um it only happened a couple times i never had that experience really yeah no i i only i only i was perfectly behaved right oh i see i only used two (laughs) bad words and those two times i the first time i washed my own mouth out with soap without my mother or my father telling me to do it wow i knew that i did it and i knew that i did it wrong. So I went and did it. You're insane. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yeah. wish I would have seen this as a kid. I really do. And I wish I could have had the experience of watching it with my
0: family um, and seeing how my dad were would have reacted. I watched it in school for the first time. This was one of those movies they put on the, the TV cart and wheeled in towards yeah. the end of uh, right before Christmas. And It's
1: funny. he, uh, Ralphie, uh, Peter Be- Billingsley, the movie he played in prior to this was a, I think it was a, I think it was a horror film, but he also played Black Bart, the the uh, the, the cowboy and wore a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Like he he did it twice in two movies back to back. Isn't that strange? It's very weird. Yeah, um, but like the her knowing the uh the mother knowing the trivia about the lone ranger you know because like you don't think your mom's not listening to this you know she's doing other things but she's listening to it just as much as anybody else is the and great she's...
0: characters of american <laughs> literature <laughs> lone ranger's cousin's horse or whatever it is
1: oh and also melinda Dillon was the only one given a different part of the script for the ending uh in the Chinese restaurant. So her reactions is real. are all real. <laughs> the duck getting, getting its head cut off—that was a complete real reaction. That's great. Yeah. Did you? What's the name of the restaurant? I I know, but I forget. Well, it's weird because it says bowling, but there's a, the W that's not lit up. So it's bowling, but
0: the W is gone. So it's <laughs> bowling. Isn't that weird? That is. That is yeah I I can't say enough good things about this film I love it and um, I love how it turns cyclical the beginning starts with the with the two uh, Christmas
1: songs and then the last two Christmas songs that are sung by the people in the Chinese restaurant are the
0: exact same mm-hmm. two in the same order I will also say this I had a bully Eric Newell was his name Eric if you're listening I forgive you um I was teased on the bus every day for best part of like a year, and one day I snapped, and I beat the shit out of him. And this fight is the most real depiction of a childhood fight I can imagine because when the fight was over, I was sobbing. Because it hurts, if you're a well-balanced person, it hurts and demeans your soul To hurt another person it makes you upset that you had to do that because no child wants to do that and i remember beating the crap out of him and then somebody separated us pulled him away he was bloody and i started sobbing and no nobody ever messed with me again Mm. but every time i see that fight again the universal feeling of so many of the scenarios in this film Every time I see that fight, I am right there back in the bus with Eric Newell. And I pulled his jacket down over his arm so he couldn't do anything. It was a hockey move. And just beat the crap out of him, which I don't recommend Uh, to to anyone. Violence is never the answer. Never the answer. But there
1: are so many moments that are honest and really make you remember what it was like to be a kid, at least in America yeah um and that's why this movie i think has has lasted as long as it has uh it, it's it's for a reason now not everybody's gonna like everything you know i don't you know i don't think it's universally loved the world over um but it's universally loved to a certain degree um i do want to mention a movie i saw today just real quick because we're not going to talk about it uh it was called silent night i saw it at the movie theater it's joel kinnaman uh, in a movie directed by John Woo, takes place during Christmas. Uh, but Silent Night really is not uh, the Christmas aspect, it's the fact that the father loses his voice from being shot. It's an action movie, don't see it if you're not an action person, but it is pure cinema. There is no dialogue, there is just sound, the sound use is amazing, the music is melodramatic, because it has to be because there is no dialogue. Um, I highly recommend it. if you're going out to the movies and you want to like an, like a good diehard action movie, go see Silent Night. Uh, otherwise just watch a Christmas story for 24
0: hours. There you have it. All right, thanks everybody. Bye. Happy holidays! Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. Please follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon under Connor and Smith. Again, Connor and Smith with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It helps us out so much. Share it where you share things, post it where you post things. We are so appreciative to all of you for following us on this journey, and happy holidays to you all.